The Secret Library podcast is supported by the kind members of the Secret Library Patreon. You can check it out and become one of the ranks at patreon.com slash secret library. This is episode 122 of the Secret Library podcast. My guest this week is Alexandra Franzen. And I am just so excited to have Alex Franzen back on. We had an amazing time talking the first time she was on, which was back when her forthcoming novel, So This is the End, A Love Story, was a very small, very intimate project that she decided to release just to her newsletter, just to her subscriber list. And now it's coming out as a novel with a big fanfare, a hardcover release with a traditional publisher. So I was very happy to hear that the book had gone wide because it's a great book. And I was very happy that Alex was willing to come on and talk about what her process and experience was going from releasing this book as a free download to her newsletter because she was so worried about how it would be received and going all the way up several years later to a book that is going wide. I think many of us think it's one or the other. It's traditional publishing or independent or self-publishing. It's Amazon or it's going through a traditional press or a small press, but that there's only one choice for each book you write and possibly only one choice for your whole career. So I was eager to talk to Alex about one book, one title being released in multiple ways and evolving as the story grew. Just so all of us remember that you always get to change your mind. You always get to try for something else. And if you've written a story that you love, you're allowed to start small and get bigger. You're allowed to grow with the book. The book is allowed to grow with you. And so this conversation was really deep. It was really deep. We got emotional. Um, we really went for it. And I'm so proud to share it with you. Um, Alex is a great, great interview. So please enjoy listening to Alex Franzen. Hey, Alex. Thanks so much for coming back on. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited to chat with you again. I am really excited because as we were saying right before we started, when you were last on the show, you had just released this very personal kind of vulnerable book. Um, and you had released it only kind of in a very, like a way that you could control and it was something that you talked about. And I think readers, uh, listeners found it really comforting that you could release a book and release it as you did on Gumroad and just sell it on your site and say, you know what, I don't want to go wide with this project. I just want this to be very close to home. And but sometimes <laughs> you do that and a book has a different plan for itself. And so this is the end had a different plan for itself. And it sounds like it kind of caught fire. And then a publisher ended up wanting to publish it. So I think this is something that we don't hear very much about is the kind of conversion book that goes from being a self-published book or an independently published book to a traditionally published book. And I'm just dying to hear how this happened. Yeah. So it's, I think it's kind of a cool story. And I think definitely a story that illustrates that every book, every creative project really has its own 
destiny in a way, you know, like every every book goes on a little bit of a different journey. And so, yeah, to recap, like you said a moment ago, I wrote this novel called So This Is The End. And uh, it just was one of those projects that kind of poured out of me. And I was very timid about it at first. I, I didn't want to put it on Amazon. I, I didn't want to kind of throw it out into the world in a, in a big public way. So like you said, I, I released it very, very quietly. And I self-published it. And I, I basically just, I think initially I, I gave it away for free as, a, as just a simple PDF, like, you know, Word document, file, save as, file print, save as, PDF. <laughs> uh, you did. Yeah, it was like I a just, birthday gift to your yeah, list. Yeah, and I, I gave it away to the people who are on my mailing list. And, and those people who are on my mailing list, of course, you know, some of them are, are actual friends of mine. Some of them are former clients of mine. Some of them are, are you know, blog readers. But it, it kind of feels like my inner circle in a way. It feels like a safe place. So I released it for free, um, partly because I wanted to, to do something fun and, and different to celebrate my birthday, and partly, to be totally frank, because I was worried that maybe it sucked and I didn't want to charge people $5 or whatever for a book that I, I didn't feel totally confident about uh, because fiction writing is a very new terrain for me. It, it's not my comfort zone. So I gave it away for free. And then I started getting some really lovely feedback from people. Um, it, it's a short book. It's, it's more of a novella, really. And so people were able to kind of tear through it and read it very quickly. Um, and, and little by little, I started to get emails from people saying, you know, the, the things that I, I dream about hearing, saying, you know, I, I stayed up all night reading this, or I read this on my way to work, or, you know, oh my gosh, I'm crying right now. I loved the ending so much, or, you know, this book really... This book really woke me up and, and just all this really kind of an intense emotional reaction that people seem to be having. Um, and I think that's because the central question of this novel is, if you had 24 hours to live, what would you do with your time? And I think that that question seemed to really land with people in a really deep way as they were reading the book, which is, of course, what I was hoping would happen. Um, but as I started to get these little emails, you know, one by one by one, kind of accumulating in my inbox, um, my confidence about this project started to grow. And it happened very slowly, but gradually I started to feel like, you know what? maybe I do want to take this book more public in a sense. You know, maybe I do want to try to take this story to a larger or wider audience because it seems like there's something about this story that is affecting people. So why not just go for it and see if I can reach more people? So that's kind of how it all began. Do you want me to continue onward with yes. the story? Or <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm like sitting here. I'm like, oh, I wish I had some tea. This is like the best bedtime story. <laughs> so, so then what happened next is what, so I've got this PDF. And at this point, I'm selling it on my website uh, using a kind of an online shopping cart called Gumroad. 
So it's not on Amazon. It's still very quiet. Um, and then, and I don't remember if this happened the last time we spoke or if this was after that. One day, out of the blue, I got an email from a woman who is an actress and uh, kind of like an indie film uh, director, producer, screenwriter person living in New York. And she emails me out of the blue. I've never you know, met this woman before. I don't know anything about her. And she says, I read your novel, so this is the end. I really love the story, and I'm wondering if anyone has optioned it to adapt it into a screenplay. No, this had not happened yet. Okay, so I get this email, and I, I remember reading it, and I thought it was a scam. Like, I thought it was like a <laughs> Like, it, I truly thought it was like a spam message, like one of those, you know, I am a prince from Africa, and I'm going right. to wire you a million dollars. Like, it, it was so unbelievable. And I read it several times, and I, I really thought, like, this is a joke. Like, this isn't real. And But I responded to her, and as, as it turns out, what happened is that there was a woman who's on my mailing list who downloaded the book when I released it for free for my birthday. And she read it, and she really loved it. And she passed it along to a friend, and that person read it, and they liked it. And that person passed it along to their friend, who's a guy <laughs> who happens to be, he's a producer for the CW TV network. And he read it, and he thought, wow, this might be a good TV show. But he kind of felt like, you know, I, I like the story, but I don't think I'm the person to adapt it or produce it. So he passed it along to this woman, Nina, who lives in New York. And she read it, and she got really excited about the story. And then she reached out to me. It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon <laughs> yeah. with your book. Yes. And and so, I, you know, we, she and I connected and started talking and and we, we went forward. We made an agreement. Uh, you know, I signed an option agreement. She's actually right now in the process of um, putting the finishing touches on writing a pilot episode, and she's going to pitch it to Netflix and Hulu and, you know, all the big networks. It would um, be so good for Netflix. Oh, yes. And it, it's exciting um, as a side note because I through this process I've gotten to learn a little bit about, um, you know, writing for TV, which is a whole other genre that I'm totally unfamiliar with and I've become really good friends with Nina and that's a whole other side story. But so after all of this transpired, it almost felt like that one, it was like that extra push that I needed to feel like, okay, <laughs> something about this story seems to be grabbing people and, and it's a message that I, I care about so much, which is like, this is it. This is your life. This could be the last day. If this was your last day, what would you want to do? Who would you call? What would you say? Who would you want to spend time with? Would you answer emails or would you go to the beach with your children and your loved one? It's like, I want people to think about this question of, if this was my last day on earth, what would I do? So after all of this transpired with Nina and her interest in adapting the story into a TV show, that's when I, a fire kind of really got lit inside of me, and I decided I'm going to be a little more brave, and I'm going to really try to put this project out there, and I'm going to try to get it published uh, by a traditional publisher so that I have a publisher's support and so that hopefully this book 
you know, can be in bookstores and be in libraries and just kind of have a wider reach because I, I think I want that now. I think if I can pause yeah. right there, I just want for people listening, for them to just take a moment here because as those of you who heard the previous conversation we had with Alex, that this book came out, you you ended up, you published it yourself at the same time as you had a book deal for another book and you had traditionally published at least one other book that you had written the Q and a and had a nonfiction book coming out that was going wide. So I just want to highlight for people that even if you have a book deal that a different project can bring up all kinds of other fears and every book has a different process, I guess is what I want to say. Oh, totally. Yeah. And and as you mentioned, uh, I had a book deal with a lovely publisher for a nonfiction book called You're Going to Survive, which is which a is book great. of, yeah, and it's, it's a book that I love very much. I loved working on it. It was emotionally, it was kind of like, an, not, not that books are ever easy, but it, it's sort of a, it's nonfiction writing, it's motivational, it's inspiring, it's true stories. That's kind of like my comfort zone as a writer. Like, that's what I do. Um, so that project I felt very confident about. Um, but yeah, you're right. This fiction project, this novel, it brought up all kinds of other different emotions. And it was, it was much, much of a, much more of a slow, gradual process, <laughs> as you're hearing, to feel ready to really like, you know, shine the spotlight and, and put this out there and be vulnerable in that way. Um, so, so here I am. I've got this novel. I'm, I'm getting positive feedback, you know, in a variety of ways. I decide that I want to try to find a fiction literary agent. Um, I had a literary agent years ago. She didn't really do fiction, and then she retired, actually. So she's out of the picture. So um, not she, even an option. Not an option. She's. Um, she had decided to pursue a totally different career, which was amazing, and that's a whole other story. But so here I am, and I'm like, I guess I need a fiction agent, right? Because that's what you do. You get an agent, and then they get you a book deal, da, da, da. So I start pitching um, this novel to a variety of different agents. And as people know, you know, who, who are in this world, it often takes a very, very long time to hear back from agents to hear back if they're even remotely interested in your project, and then it takes a long time to hear back if they're, you know, officially interested in your project and want to <laughs> represent you. So, so now I'm kind of like I'm pitching people, I'm pitching and pitching, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, and I started to get a little impatient, but also kind of curious. I guess I started to wonder, well, could there be another way, you know, rather than just kind of the standard process of like pitch, wait, pitch, wait, pitch, wait, is there anything else I can do to try to kind of like expedite this, I guess? <laughs> um, and so I, what I did was I emailed my editor at my publisher who released my last nonfiction book. And this particular publishing house, they don't do fiction. They only do nonfiction. Um, but I figured, hey, you know, my editor is a lovely woman. We have a great rapport. You know, she's she's been in the publishing industry for like 25 years. She's very well connected. So I sent her 
kind of, and it was one of those emails where, like, I sat and I, like, picked away at the email for, like, three hours before I sent it because I was so nervous. (laughs) But I was like, "Ah, ah." so I sent her this email and I just very briefly said, you know, hey, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but I actually wrote a novel. I self-published it. I would like to get it released, you know, by a traditional publisher. Um, I know that, you know, you guys don't do fiction, but... If you know anyone who, you know, might be interested, if you know an agent you could introduce me to, if you, I basically just kind of asked her if she could possibly open any door for me or if she'd be willing to do that. And so I click send on that email and I'm like, ah, because, you know, when you're asking someone for a favor, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes when you ask people for a favor, especially a big favor, like making a, a professional introduction, it can bring up a lot of anxiety. <laughs> it definitely did oh, yeah. for me. So I send that off, and and then I get her response, which was not what I expected. And she said, the timing of this is so crazy, she told me. She said, I just got out of a meeting with everyone here at Mango, which is the name of the publisher, Mango Publishing. And she said, We're actu- we've actually decided to start a fiction imprint we're starting a fiction client yeah and she's like so send me what you got yes yes and so she's like so send me your send me your novel i'd love to see it and we'll consider it for our first fiction collection that we release uh and so i was like what (laughs) that's crazy it's just like jumped five steps yeah so i sent it to her and i waited a little bit um I think I, I don't know how long I waited, maybe a month or two. And then she got back to me and she said, let's do this. And amazing. they offered me, yeah, an agreement to, to release that fiction book. So that's the very roundabout flow way <laughs> that it all came about. But it was, yeah. And so now it's coming out uh, this year. So if you're listening to this in 2018, it's being released in October and I, I, I did a little bit of uh, tweaking and editing. To, so I made a few changes uh, mm. for this hardcover version that's being released. I kind of rewrote a few scenes here and there. I added um, some book club questions to the back. I did a few things to make it feel a little bit fresh. Um, but I just I couldn't be happier about this. And I'm, I think this is one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on for so many reasons. So that's the story of how it happened. That's so great. I think there's so many things in here. I'm like, oh, so many things to to (laughs) jump into. One is that I think everybody thinks that once you publish any book, you're suddenly totally confident about yourself as a writer going forward, (laughs) which I have yet to meet anybody who's published a book who feels that way. So I think it's important to remember that feeling nervous about your writing is normal and yeah. that that one day when you publish something, if that's what you want to do, it's not going to take that away. That being like being friends with your vulnerability and your nerves about your writing is a good thing to do right now. Yeah. Because that's not going to change most likely. Oh, totally. I agree. I, I think I think of it as like we all have this kind of glass jar inside of us that we can fill 
with like gold coins and every coin is like a confidence coin <laughs> and mm. it's like we have to keep tr doing things to try to fill that confidence jar a little bit every day and it's a forever process right like it never gets totally full <laughs> right you're um, never like and, oh my god i've got a gold bar in here and yeah I never have to work on this again yeah but it's like we can do little things whether it's you know completing a project checking something off your to-do list meditating you know, reading that positive feedback that you got from a client or a blog reader. Like there, there's all, there's a million little things we can do to try to keep adding those confidence coins into the confidence bank. Um, but yes, it, it totally is an ongoing process. And, um, you know, I think, gosh, I don't know any writer or artist or, or any person who does creative work who feels like, 2,000% confident about their work every single day. I mean, everyone has anxieties and insecurities and, and doubt. I think that's just human, right? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's just part of, of doing it. And I'm, I'm interested, if I may, ask, given that you had developed a certain comfort zone in writing the kind of writing that you do so well on your site and in, you know, in books like, you know, you'll get through this. What were your fears about what was so different about fiction? Because I think that a case could be made that writing is writing. It's putting words on a page and maybe there's a story to it. But, you know, you're, you're a professional writer. And I'm wondering what your brain was telling you about ah, why yeah. fiction was completely different and why this was, oh, this is all this other stuff you've done doesn't make any difference in terms of whether or not you're qualified to write this novel and share it. That's a separate thing. Yeah, you know, that is a really good question. And to be honest, I don't think I ever really sat down and like unpacked, why am I so nervous about this? But if I were to look back, I think it's a combination of things. I think one is that um, you know, yes, writing is writing, but fiction is different. You know, you're, you're not telling a true story. Um, it is a little bit of a different style. Uh, also just the length, you know, I, I am very comfortable right. writing like a short, punchy article that like hits you up top with an inspiring true story and then, you know, delivers a, a bang and message at the end and kapow, you know, inspiration for your Monday morning. Like that's a very comfortable format for me that I love very much. Um, but writing a full length novel is different. You know, it's, it's a different journey and it's one that I'm not as, as comfortable and confident with. Um, and then also the subject matter, you know, I, on my website and in my newsletter, um, I don't, often write about sex. I don't often write about, um, you know, romantic relationships. I, I, I do sometimes, a little bit, but this novel is really a love story. And there's sex scenes, you know? There's, there's sexy, yeah. grown-up stuff. And there's, um, it goes into terrain that, is very vulnerable and like as a as an author <laughs> sometimes you know i imagine my future reader reading it and and thinking i don't know what that you know thinking whatever thinking you know 
wow, Alex is, you know, what a what a bloody smutty brain she has, or I, I don't know, you know, it's like there's a lot of a lot of like weird stuff comes up around like shame, even shame around yeah. sexuality. So there's that, and then there's and then there's also, you know, as as so many of the people listening and you, I'm sure too, like when you love books, you you read a lot, you read so many amazing writers. And then you kind of, you want your writing to reach that same standard of excellence. And I read a lot of, of novels. I love fiction. And some of the people, I mean, it's like their writing is just so amazing. Like it almost, it's almost painful to read because it's so good. Um, their, right. their descriptive language or the way they build a character. And, and then my writing style for nonfiction and fiction is very, simple and direct and kind of sparse, I guess. You know, I, I, I don't generally do like big, gorgeous kind of descriptive language. Like I, it's very kind of blunt almost. And so then there's also a part of me that almost wonders like, is this real fiction? Like, is this real writing or am I just like, am I just writing like a really long blog post from my imagination? I, I don't know. There's, there's a comparison element. There's a, there's just so much. There's so many reasons why I think your, our brains start to go wild with doubt and insecurity. Uh, but those are some of the things that I think came up for me with this particular novel. Am I good enough? Is this good enough? Is this real fiction? Um, you know, what will people think of this, especially the, the more sexy, grown-up stuff? All that kind of stuff comes up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing what we think we have to lose by sharing a piece of creative work. Yeah, I mean, I've had these ridiculous thoughts as I've been working on my novel for like a year and a half now, and I'm like really getting into the hardcore work on it. And it's amazing how many times my my little nasty brain, when I'm making time to write, will say things like, "You know what? If this book is crap, no one's going to listen to the podcast." <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, like you're going to you're going to lose your show that you love so much because everyone's going to be like, "Well, I thought she was cool." And then I read her book and it was terrible. Right? Yeah, our brains just go buck wild with fears and insecurities about what might happen if we, you know, release this project. It's it's wild. And it's, um, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I always think I try, this is what I've convinced myself is that when those starts of beliefs, uh, sorts of beliefs start to come up, it's because you're onto something. It's like, okay, something is in here that could disrupt the status quo. And I think our unconscious does not like the status quo to be disrupted. And so it, those fears don't come up when you're like, mm, I might go to the grocery store. Yeah. They come up when you're like, I think I'm going to put this novel out there. I know I've written nonfiction up to this point, but I think I'm going to put out a novel. It's like, whoa, girl. <laughs> Hold up. Yeah. yeah. I think There's, that's true. This could change everything. You know, it's like yeah. this the little freaked out part is not into it. It's amazing. There's a, a friend of mine, Danielle Cullen. She's an amazing photographer. Yeah, she, she did my photos too. What? Oh my gosh, I did not know that. What a small world. That is so funny. But she said something once that I've never forgotten. We were talking about, you know, the, the kind of anxiety that comes when you release a new project into the world, whether it's your blog or your podcast or your book or your, you know, photography collection or whatever. 
Um, and she said, you know, sometimes she'll have those moments where she's like, oh, my God, she's thinking about all the, the worst-case scenarios, the worst things that could happen, the negative reviews, the, you know, the, the clients who won't hire her again, the, the, the mean emails, you know, whatever, it, whatever it's fearful things her brain is concocting, like the worst-case scenario. And she'll ask herself, you know, she'll say to herself, okay, well, that's, that's the worst that can happen. But what's the best that could happen? Like, what's mm-hmm. the other side of that coin? What's the best case scenario? Um, and then she starts to kind of use her imagination to concoct all of the best case scenario things. You know, the clients who suddenly want to hire her more than ever, the fan mail, the, the pride and confidence that she will feel having completed this project, the, um, you know, all the beautiful opportunities that could arise because of this project, the joy of completing this project. And she'll kind of remind herself, you know, both of those things are true. Horrible things could happen, painful things, but also wonderful things, magical things. And we spend so much time, I think, obsessing about the, the negative things that might happen, and we forget to consider the opposite. And most of the time, <laughs> the actual result is probably somewhere in the middle or maybe veering middle to positive. At least that's what I have found. And usually the worst case scenario that we fear does not actually happen. Um, or even if it does, then that leads somewhere positive in the end too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. I do. I mean, as per the example of your book, if you had written that story and never released it to your list, you would never have any, had anyone email you saying, hey, I think this would make a great show, which is something you never even considered as an option. Never even, never ever. And I, I think that that's, to me, I, I think about that story in my own life as a reminder that when you find the courage to put something out there into the world, even if you do it in a very small kind of private way, you just never know what the ripple effect is going to be. You never know how that project might touch someone's life or how it might lead to a new friendship or a new business partnership or a professional opportunity or somehow lead to your next project. I mean, it's like, it's almost like you're dropping that stone in the lake and this beautiful ripple effect begins and you just never know where it's going to go. But first you have to drop that stone in the lake, right? You have to take some kind of step to either complete the project or share it in some way to create that ripple. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's not going to make the ripple if you just keep it in your pocket forever. Yeah. And I mean, it might, I think even if you complete a writing project that's truly just for you, you know, like a diary entry or a piece of writing that's very, very, very personal, that's that's cathartic and, and you don't want to share it publicly, even those kinds of like very private pieces of writing can still create a ripple effect in your life. Right? Um, Definitely. It's more about like, you have to just make the thing, I think is what I'm saying, right? Make the thing, write the thing, share it or don't, but do the thing so that it can Definitely create the, the ripple effect. Yeah. 
And I think that the other thing that I love about the trajectory of this book is that a lot of people I end up hearing from are kind of debating, having this internal debate about, should I publish it myself or should I try to go with it, you know, a traditional publishing house and, and feeling as if it's an either or experience that you only get to have one or the other. And almost as if I do that for this one thing, then that's going to define the rest of my career, which you are one of my favorite examples of no, just do whatever you want. You can, you can do it project by project. Even the same project can change from one to the other if that's what you want. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I I see the same thing. You know, when I when I do when I teach writing classes, when I do writing coaching, um, I I see people really grappling with this question of like, yeah, like self publishing or traditional publishing, which is the right choice, and and people kind of agonize about this decision. But yeah, you're totally totally. I feel like do whatever you want. Like do do whatever is going to move this project forward. So that you're not just sort of waffling and and stalling, um, and you can absolutely choose different paths for different projects, and and there can be a lot of fluidity. You know, we we've all seen examples of of projects that were self-published that later got picked up by a publisher and, and re-released. There's many examples of that, uh, including very very famous books like The Joy of Cooking. And uh, and Fifty Shades of Grey, I think, and many others. The Martian. The Martian, yeah. Um, there's examples of the opposite. There's examples of someone getting a book deal. Their book is released. Maybe it runs for several years. Maybe then the publisher decides to stop printing it. The author gets the rights to the project again. The author decides to re-release it on their own years later. Um, you know, and every variation in between. Like, there's no, there's no one path. For getting a book out into the world, it can be any path that you want. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I feel like just do whatever you want. Just keep the energy moving forward, um, rather than kind of sitting on this project and, and worrying and stressing and fretting. Just keep marching. Exactly. And yeah. I think that if you if you make space to acknowledge what the fears are, then sometimes that's what's necessary to keep going. Because I think sometimes when people are like agonizing about, oh, self-published this or traditional publisher, or it's really about, it's it's sort of a manifestation of the fear that's coming up about writing the project in the first place. Ooh, yeah. It's so true. Like I, I could see if you're waffling about this decision of which path, it would be so cool to really go deep into that and go, well, what is what is like the deepest, deepest fear that I have? Is the fear that this this project just sucks? Is the fear that I'm going to get, you know, online trolls and bullies and negative reviews and I feel like I can't tolerate that? Is the fear that I, I, I'm not confident that I can sell enough copies to make my publisher happy and I'm worried they'll be disappointed in me? Is the fear, you know, what what is the big monster that you're so scared of? And yeah. yeah, if you can really get specific about what that monster is, then yeah, then you can make a choice. You can say, you know what? I don't feel confident that I can sell 10,000 copies or whatever. I, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't want a publisher to be disappointed in me 
So you know what? For now, I'm going to release this very quietly to my friends and family and loved ones. And I'm just going to take that first step. I'm just going to drop that first pebble in the water. And for right now, that's enough. Because at least that's moving me a little more forward along this path. And then six months from now, let's reevaluate to see where we're at. And that's kind of what I did, right, with this particular project that we've been discussing. So yeah, I like this a lot. I like the idea of looking really specifically at the biggest fear and then making a decision. And I think sometimes it's about, like, I don't know how much you know. Do you know Gay Hendricks? And the big yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if people will put this in the show notes, but it's a book basically about taking risks and taking risks and moving out of comfort zones that are where you feel very competent and you feel like I can do this just fine forever and I'm pretty good at it. I might even be better at it than other people, but it's not something that like lights me on fire. And there's this other thing over here that kind of lights me on fire, but I don't feel as solidly grounded in what that is. I don't feel like I can kind of do that in my sleep, but I got to do it, you know? And then a lot of people get shut down because they think, oh my God, I want to do this other thing, but what if I'm terrible at it? Or what if it's a horrible thing? Yeah. But I think that sometimes really getting specific, like you're saying about the fears and then making a choice. And a lot of times writing a book is this thing that's sitting over here and it's got like flashy, sparkly lights on it. And it's like, that's the thing. That's the thing that I've always wanted to do. And at a certain point, you kind of have to let yourself do it and just see how it goes. And and being willing to start small, like you're saying, I think that if you start small, then you can get comfortable. It's like slowly getting into the hot tub. You're like, okay, I got one foot in. This is pretty good. Okay, maybe I can put the next foot in, you know, and maybe I can share this book with some other people. And it's okay to take a like slowly getting into the hot tub approach versus cannonballing in there. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I have a little secret to share with you on this topic. Which Please is, do. Okay, so I, when I was a teenager, kind of a kid and a teenager, and even into college, I loved dancing. And I studied ballet and contemporary and hip-hop, and I loved doing choreography, and it, it brought me so much joy. I just was a dancing maniac. Like, I was that kid who, you know, would take the bus after school to go to the dance studio and I would be there rehearsing or taking classes for five hours and then, you know, go home and do homework and da-da-da-da. I was all about it. And then for a variety of reasons, after college, you know, when I graduated, I was 21, 22, whatever age I was, I kind of just stopped. Like, I just stopped dancing completely. And, you know, I, I did yoga and I've always been physically active in various ways, but, like, I just stopped. And about a month ago, so this is fast forward, now I'm almost 34, so it's been well over 10 years (laughs) since I quit dancing, I just had this urge to start dancing again. Mm. And I don't, like, I don't particularly want to do a recital (laughs) or like, or dance in front of an audience or make videos for YouTube or anything like that. It really was just this feeling of like, I literally thought to myself, I just want to rent a dance studio late at night after hours 
when no one else is there and no one's watching and blast my favorite music and just get weird, like just move around. <laughs> and so that's literally exactly what I did. I, I, I just contacted a local studio and they were like, you know, we're closed on Sunday nights after 7 p.m. It's 20 bucks an hour to rent the main studio. It's all yours. And the reason I'm telling this story is that, so I got back in the studio a few weeks ago, and in my mind, like in my imagination, I had this vision of this, like, incredible dance piece that I was going to do. And I started moving my body, you know, which has not really danced in 10, 12, 13 years. And what I was seeing my body do in the mirror was very different than the vision I had in my head. <laughs> and it was kind of like, right. it was very humbling. And I realized, oh, like I have this vision of this like extraordinary piece that I see myself doing, but that's way out of my comfort zone and even competence zone right now. Right now, it's time to like get back to basics and and just like play in a very tiny way uh, to build up to where I'd like to be. And, and I've been having so much fun. And the reason I'm telling this story, I think, is that I, there was something about renting a space that where no one else was around. And it's like my private dance cave where I can play and start to, to do this thing that's been calling to me. I feel like at various points in our journey, whether it's with writing or dancing or anything, it's like, it's okay to be very secretive and private and to, to just kind of have a space where, you know, you're not putting your book on Amazon or you're not, you know, lunging out there to get a book deal. Like, it's okay to have your, your little cave. And I think that can actually be such a beautiful, fertile place. So does that make sense? I, I felt compelled yes. to tell that story for some yes. reason. And also the other reason I wanted to tell that story is like, just do it. Like if you've been thinking about renting the dance studio and you have this fantasy of you alone in a studio Sunday nights at 7.30, send the email. It's 20 bucks. Like you can have that dream. <laughs> so you, you can have that beautiful writing space in your backyard you can have that dance studio like that that fantasy you have of this like incredible artistic thing that you want like you can have that and sometimes all you have to do is like pay twenty dollars and pick up you know send an email <laughs> so, I know, and, and, and we have this thing like oh god it's got to be like a thousand dollars or whatever number like feels really out of control it's like we build ourselves up and we don't even find out we don't even like look the place up online or call them and say is this even possible yeah and it almost always is and it almost always is cheaper than you think it is it's so possible i mean like if there's a beautiful just as an example let's say there's a gorgeous yoga studio in your neighborhood and you love taking classes there and they have beautiful artwork and a beautiful sound system and it always smells like the best incense or whatever and you love being there like you could email them and say hey i love your studio i was wondering you know this is i don't know if you ever do this but could I rent it for two hours a week when you're closed after hours and, and write there and then like bring your laptop and write and meditate or whatever in this beautiful studio all by yourself and have that be your private, gorgeous 
office and they might be like, yeah, <laughs> totally, you know, 30 right. bucks a week or whatever. Like it, it is amazing how you can make that fantasy happen. And yeah, it, it's often, very often, it's, it's surprisingly easier and cheaper than you thought. So just send the email, shoot your shot. Plus people are usually really excited to support this kind of thing. Totally, totally. People love people going for something that's a dream. They love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You might be surprised by the, the outpouring of support that you receive, support and excitement. I think so. And I think that that's another reason why people enjoyed this book so much is that, I mean, we all have limited time. I mean, not to be macabre as we wrap this up, but I mean, we do. We have limited time as human beings. We're not immortal as, as much as we wish we were. And and that makes these opportunities limited. And if you go for it, people love seeing that because everybody dreams of going for it themselves. And and you're a good example if you rent that yoga studio or you write in a cafe or you, you know, make little scribbly notes or you do a dance or you you try. I think that it always supports everybody for people to try. Yeah. Trying is always worth it. I, years ago, I took a CPR class, you know, where you learn how to do CPR and like, if someone has a heart attack, hopefully, hopefully save them. And um, at the beginning of the class, the teacher said to us, you know, what's the point of doing CPR? Who can raise their hand and and say, you know, why are we learning how to do this? What's the point? And, you know, we all kind of felt like, this sounds like it's a trick question, <laughs> like no one wanted to raise their hand, but finally someone did, and, and someone said, you know, well, we're learning how to do CPR to save someone's life. And she, the teacher nodded, and she was like, yeah, yep, definitely. I mean, obviously the goal is to save someone's life, but, but what if you can't? You know, what if, what if despite your best efforts, even if you do the CPR procedure perfectly, what if that person still dies? Um, you know, what's the point then? And we were all kind of quiet. And, and she said, well, I'll tell you. She was like, trying to do CPR, even if you lose that person, trying is always worth it. And here's why. Number one, simply by doing the CPR procedure, you are actually going to infuse oxygen through this person's body and keep their organs vital a little bit longer so that by the time the ambulance comes, even if they've died, it's possible that their organs could be donated to someone else. And so in a sense, you might be saving another life, just not the person lying in front of you. That's reason number one, why trying is worth it. Reason number two, why you should try is that when this person's family is grieving, at least they will have the comfort of knowing that someone was there and someone tried to save them. And my gosh, I'm like crying thinking about it. And yeah, that they tried everything. You know, the family will never have to wonder what if there was something else that could have been done. They'll know everything was done. And at least they'll have that comfort. And then the third reason why trying is always worth it 
<laughs> is that the people, the crowd gathering around, gawking on the street as you're trying to do CPR, you'll be an inspiration to those people. And those people will watch you. And they'll think, I need to learn how to do CPR. And they'll think, wow, I'm so glad that person is here. They'll be inspired by you. And you'll inspire them and you'll create a ripple effect in their lives. So for all of these reasons, even if you fail in the sense that you don't save this person's life, trying is always worth it. You have to try. Because just the act of trying is going to have a beautiful ripple effect in so many ways. And you can hear me getting really emotional sharing this story because it really affected me. And I, I think that it applies to so many things. Um, trying to write Absolutely. your book. Yeah, try to write your book. Try to dance. Um, go for your goal. Whether or not you succeed you know, with the specific objective you have, just by trying, you're going to be an inspiration to so many people around you. Um, and I think that's so important to remember. Trying's worth it. Absolutely. It absolutely is worth it. And I think that, I mean, I think that hopefully everybody listening who hasn't read your book from before, um, who reads it now or who reads it again, will have even further motivation to try because I think that story really, it really moved me when I read it about, you know, what do you want your days to look like? And if you have a dream of doing something, then you have to try. Yeah. I'm so thrilled that we got to talk to you again about this book because I loved it so much. And I'm, I'm so grateful you were able to come on and, and have this conversation. I know, I know that this will have a ripple effect, this conversation. And I hope that people listening will be inspired to try and that that will keep going. I have a feeling that it will. Thank you so much for having me. I was not expecting to burst into tears and talk about CPR <laughs> on this podcast, but you know, it's, you got to just go where the conversation takes you. <laughs> You just got to do it. I think it's, I don't know. I think it was perfect. <laughs> it was such a joy to talk to you again. And um, I hope that you just have a beautiful day. I hope that the next 24 hours are exactly what you want them to be. I hope so for you too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.